The Athletic. What's the opposite of a pick-me-up? Is it a bring-me-down? Whatever it is, boy, did we get one in the FA Cup on Saturday. Rotated lineup, Check. Disjointed performance? Check. Injury to a key player? Check. Deep, dark sense of foreboding about the coming vital games? Well, you can decide on that one for yourself. I'm David Mooney. I'm joined by Sam Lee. Hi, Sam. Yeah, hello. <laughs> uh, this is Why Always Us, your weekly Manchester City podcast from The Athletic. You can subscribe to The Athletic right now for a special price right now of £3.99 a month for six months. That's 40% off the full price. You'll get access to the great analysis and in-depth features from the very best football writers around, as well as ad-free versions of the podcasts as well. Just go to theathletic.com forward slash mancitypod to get this special 40% discount. That's theathletic.com forward slash mancitypod. Um, Sam, let's let's obviously start with uh, the, the only place to start with that game. I think uh, on uh, on Saturday, um, the lineup was announced about an hour before kickoff, and I I don't normally react to lineups. I think I said on last week's show I'm not really in the mood to to kind of react to the lineups on online and stuff. Um, but I winced when I saw it, and it was all because of what we'd said the week before about that Leeds game. It was a bold selection to pick so many of the players who are fighting for form and are, are, are currently not in his kind of, you know, you know, the big game team sort of thing. Yeah. Um, and I, I kind of, the chickens came home to roost, I felt. Yeah, definitely. Like, the funny thing was, I was driving down, um, and I was speaking to someone who works with one of the players and he was like, I oh, know that you know they based on team shape this player in particular thinks it's going to be pretty much the same you know same players and same same shape as Dortmund I was like okay here we go then and then I got off the phone and he messaged me and it was about, and it was about four o'clock and he just said wholesale changes mate and I was like oh my god <laughs> and then I mean and I was speaking I was speaking to somebody else then and he said he'd seen on Twitter that I think this was about 10 minutes before the team was announced that it was like De Bruyne was rested as well, and there was a there was a few more names out. Um, like I think Rodri as well wasn't playing in this in this supposed league. Um, but then, so when I when I saw the team, because I got to the ground about half four, so when I was pulling into the car park, I saw it, and I was like, "Well, it's not not actually as many changes as I expected." You know, being told on the way down, but I was I did look at it and think, "Well, this is one of those. If he's playing two defensive midfielders, then." He's just asking De Bruyne to 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 carry him, basically, and that's fine because like De Bruyne can do that, and that's and that's how they did it in the first part of the season when obviously they weren't great, but De Bruyne was just doing everything, and I was like, well, obviously Cancelo was helping then, and he did play, but the main thing was going to be if Sterling and Jesus and like Torres to a lesser extent because there's not as much expectation on him, and he, had, you know, it's his first season, but like Sterling and Jesus, if City were going to get anything out of that game. They needed to do something, and oh my god, it was awful, like, awful. Like De Bruyne didn't play well either, and then obviously got injured, which is, um, like I don't know when this podcast is going out. We will probably have an idea by Monday, but as of Sunday morning, doesn't we sound great. Got a clue. Yeah, well, no, it doesn't sound it doesn't sound great. Like, I suppose yeah, we haven't got a clue in the sense that his ankle's all swollen up, so they've got to wait until later on Sunday to have a scan on it. But apparently, the test that the doctors did was for like ligament damage. But the, you know, ligament damage could only be like three weeks or whatever. But you know, if it's three weeks or whatever, then that's probably both both PSG games out the window. If that's true, but like I said, we don't we don't know yet because they've not even had the scans. But if we're talking about what they fear it is, then there's that. But look, six weeks ago, everyone was saying sit your bet without him anyway. And <laughs> but but I'm not even kind of I'm not even being a dick about that. Like no, no, it's it, it, there was an argument. There was an argument for it. Like I could see it. Like I said, I, I didn't believe that was the case. I just said that. They were they were great with him and they were great without him. But the good thing is they were great without him, and you know there there is the possibility of that again. Well, before we talk about those coming games too much, Sam, uh, let's get into what happened on Saturday because um, you know Guardiola was asked after the game about uh, the criticism of making so many changes. Um, this is what he had to say: When you have two 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 days and a half to recovery, and we play away, and you have to travel. With the train three hours, it was longer than three hours because we would have stopped one hour. And everyone deserves to play. And But don't say we don't pay attention. A team like arriving in the final stages in all competitions could have said that. When this team won three, four finals in a row in a, in, a, in a Carabao Cup, 
So just say we lost the game. And when you lost the game, the decisions are bad. But it is a poor argument, my friends. It's so poor argument. So we are not getting semi-finals the FA Cup or final the Carabao Cup four years ago, semi-final Champions League, when we don't pay attention in anything. So we go to Cheltenham, we won many, many games and tough games the FA Cup, and this team for the four or five years always played to try to win the game. It was a tight game. We were not able to win. Congratulations, Chelsea. Chelsea is a top side, so always have done in every time. And in the last years, since Roman Arovic took, uh, took place, so you have seen... The amount of you no know, the players, new players came this season. It can happen. So, but if you believe we don't pay attention for that, what ha would happen if we, if today the result was completely different and we had win? What happened with eight changes? Say so say no. Say before the game. So say before the game. Say Pep, don't pay attention, or the players don't play in the competition. Say before, but not say after because just we lose a game. You have to, you know. These guys is in 10 months, 11 months, fight every game like uh, like never before I've seen. For losing a game against top side, now we don't pay attention or don't care this competition. We respect a lot the FA Cup. We came here to okay. win. Okay, thank you. And next time, tell me which people say that. You know, don't put the responsibility in other people. Say that okay. you don't pay attention. Was, tell me which ones, and after I will okay. tell you which ones. TV commentators and ah, myself. Okay. Don't and myself. Ah, yourself as well. Absolutely, and I wrote it in my match report. Do you, listen, do you think do you think we don't pay attention in the game? Do you think listen? Do you think Sterling or Ferran or Gabriel they don't deserve to play the game? They don't no, deserve I'm to play the game. I'm not saying that. But you say it. You say it. Right. Thank you for the time. You're very welcome. So um, <laughs> that's uh, a, a bit feisty. Yeah, like there's bit and there's see there's bits there that I agree with and there's bits I disagree with. Like you can't argue with. Oh god! So, right, so this is going to be about <laughs> half an hour. Like in terms of the rotation, I, I don't think you can argue in terms of how there's just so many games and it's it's just one of those things I think that from the outside we're just not going to get. And look, maybe Guardiola's just playing it up too much in terms of. Like it's it's they're not that tired. There's not that many games. There isn't this physical and mental pressure, and they should just play all the time. But I don't like. I, I can't see that actually being yeah, the case. I don't, I don't buy like, that one either. You kind of have to. You have to take him at his word that it's really difficult for the players, and they and they need rotating. And the other element is like Sterling, Jesus, uh, Fernandinho, Cancelo, Laporte you shouldn't be thinking about those players as bad players. Like, they should be able to come into that team and win the match. But problem being, and this is this is the main thing. So, well, one thing was Guardiola said, say it before the game, don't say it after, because, you know, he's saying, because we lost, you're saying the, the, the decisions are bad. You should say it before the game. But like you already said, and like I saw, like I thought, okay, yeah, we're just going to need to bonus to do this and that. But so many fans were saying before the game, don't like this team. Yeah, the, the, it was the, the the warning lights were there, weren't they? And obviously, Guardiola was quite annoyed because I, I don't know, I, I don't know what the whole paying attention phrasing was about. You know, the question was, people say you've not paid enough attention to the game, which I think is, I, I don't know if it's just like the wrong phrase, but that's obviously really wound him up, and it's worked in terms of we've got a good answer that he's revealed how he thinks. We've got a lot to talk about. But by saying that, oh, he obviously then went on and said, but do you think that Sterling didn't deserve to play and Ferran and, and, and Gabriel? And it's like, well, if you ask him, Pep, then definitely not. <laughs> it's like, not genuinely. If, point... it, and like, if he'd have said that to me, like I'm not saying like, if he'd said that to me, I'd have knocked his head off kind of thing. But like, <laughs> if, if we'd have been having that exchange, I think I would have said, you know what, Pep? Like, no. I, but yeah. I, I, can, I can... Devil's advocate, like... Last week, it was against Leeds, and the front three were poor. We've talked about that, and I think I've written about it since. Um, but, like, it was a strange game in the sense that the second half, it was all defence, and City missed a couple of chances. And I could, may I could maybe see he's thinking, okay, well, maybe it won't happen again, and I'll trust these guys. And he talked about their attitudes and behaviours being right and good and how he sees it in training. And, again, you kind of got to take his word for that. And I think if they weren't, you know, if their attitudes and behaviours weren't right, then he wouldn't have played them. So obviously they are training hard and in 
a goodish attitude because I don't think Sterling's particularly happy at the moment, as you could probably imagine. But um, they were obviously in the right, you know, doing what they needed to do to prove to him that they could play. And obviously, he's thinking he's resting the main players for other games, and God knows what other games they would be. But it's, yeah, to go back to it, like definitely now in hindsight, like if he if he plays those front three again in say, let's just say the Carabao Cup final because. PSG's a few days after and that's just going to be so important and he and they're crap what can he say after the game yeah he can't say do you think he goes are you telling me they don't deserve to play because the whole press box would click the little you know raise hand hand icon on on zoom and say well definitely not Pep Um, but but that's like that's the thing now because he is going to want to rotate and he needs to rotate he's going to have to keep doing it well, this is the question because um, like, I, I don't doubt that he needed to rotate for this game. It came so soon after the Dortmund game. The yeah, run that no they've problem. got in, in the next few, in the next kind of week, week and a half or so is really tough. But again, you look at the Premier League picture, he's got far more leeway on Wednesday night against Villa than he had in an FA Cup semi-final. If he's going to rotate for the game against Chelsea... Mm. And he's going to rotate for the game against Villa because, because I mean, what, what's the inference at the moment? Is he if he if he is he going to go full strength against Villa and then rotate See, against I Spurs? I don't like, know. That that to me absolutely blows my mind. If that's a kind of way to get full strength against PSG, or is he going to go rotated again against Villa and then full strength mm. against Spurs and PSG, which kind of makes a little bit more sense. But still, like like overall, you you look at this week. Surely there is an opportunity for him to rotate against uh, Chelsea and Villa, but still play a slightly more informed team. I'm not going to say stronger team because the players that he named on on Saturday were good enough to yeah. win that game. Well, there's the other thing about the whole shape of the team. As yeah. Well. Um, but again, again, like yeah, two holding midfielders and getting De Bruyne to do all the attacking and creating, and and I mean Mendy playing. <sighs> Christ, like. I'm I'm surprised he ended up. You know, he came on as a sub. I think it was in the Southampton game. I was like, what? Um, and I'm yeah, like Mendy playing. I just don't know. And some somebody asked on the Q and A, you know, why is Mendy playing instead of Ake? And it's like, to be fair, he, with the team set up, he went for. He obviously was wanting a left back that can get forward and attack, which underlines the fact that when he does want that, you know, Mendy's not the one. But it's like yeah, the whole team shape is is like well, this this kind of effectively what they had at the start of the season and it, we know that wasn't good and Guardiola said he didn't like it anyway but then it's like well they did play this way against Leicester it was very similar wasn't it yeah like Fernandinho and Rodri played against Leicester the other week and they, they were great and De Bruyne was great and the front three didn't do an awful lot but um, they got the win um, so maybe he was thinking you know that's it He's gonna we're going to play for a tight game and try and and win it on the balance of things, but obviously those little balances didn't go their way because the the front three, like, look, Chelsea were good as well. Like Chelsea were good, and it's always difficult. You know, you always have these things. Like, was it City being good or Chelsea being bad, or you know, the other way around? Obviously, in, in the case of Saturday, and it's always hard to know. But like, you just do expect so much more from City, and like Chelsea were good, but they they weren't like phenomenal. And there are opportunities for City to play around them and exploit them and press them and and win the ball high up the pitch, which they just didn't didn't yeah. do. And like, there's just no chances created. And like the last 15, 20 minutes were just like, oh god, they're not going to do anything. And it's it's not just that as well, Sam. I mean, like we're talking again about keeping players fresh for future games. Um, mm. And I know the prospect of if City scored in the last ten minutes or so, there was the prospect of extra time. Um, but. Uh, but even so, looking at, uh, at the way the game went, De Bruyne goes off with an injury on 48 minutes and Phil Foden comes on. His only other change it's is Ferran Torres off. Foden did come on. Yeah, well, yeah. his only other change was Ferran Torres off, Ilkay Gundogan on, Mares on the bench, Bernardo Silva on the bench. Two potentially creative players. Okay, Silva's not been Mahrez the top the form recently. Mares has been firing on all cylinders recently. Yeah. So, I mean, first of all, I think the last time we talked properly about Mares was probably a few weeks ago was after the Everton game and he scored the winner and I think it was around then and there was a stuff like oh you know well you know this is what he can do and on my point was like yeah but if he does it all the time then great but he doesn't so and I think I was like look I'll, I wouldn't lose any sleep if he was to go in the summer but like all you can say is he's been really good since then like yeah. I was completely wrong fair play to him um, and yeah so so that being said which I think needs to be acknowledged like and you know like normally when Pep doesn't make subs it's counterintuitive to us, like, but what, like, what does our intuition mean compared to what the others? Like, it means sod all. 
Well, you always say he, he doesn't do it when he's happy with the game. Yeah, exactly. And like, even sometimes when it's like, well, like the Manchester derby, I think, is the best example. The Liverpool draw at the Etihad in November was a good one, but the Manchester derby was the best one because he was obviously thinking, well, I don't want to lose here. Like, I'm not opening up space on the counter for Bruno Fernandes to pass to Rashford and we lose. So I'm keeping it as it is and we're not pushing for a goal and that's it. And it's like, well, I, even though that's counterintuitive to us because you think, look, you can just bring some players on and go and beat United and win the game. He's obviously thinking, well, I don't want to lose it. Fine, this is it. And that was in the context of the team not playing particularly well and he was worried about the counter-attack. But now, like, it wasn't even nil-nil, obviously. They were losing and they were going to go out and it's an FA Cup semi-final. And like, so this is the part of that question about not paying enough, comp uh, not paying enough attention to the competition. Like, nobody can deny that Guardiola plays strong teams in the FA Cup. He mentioned Cheltenham in that answer. And like, it, like Birm even the Birmingham home game, when he picked the team, it was like, Jesus, like everyone's playing. Everyone's playing. Like, it's really strong. And that was, you know, people were like, oh, hope, hopefully Delap plays and Palmer plays. And he was just like, right, no, everyone's playing. We're going to play this. He played a stronger team in that game than he did on Saturday. Didn't yeah, he? I know. But like, if this, but that, the context of it is, he's obviously resting um, players because of all the games coming up and the big games. And there is the possibility that maybe all the eggs are now in the in the Champions League basket because we know that he takes things so seriously and we know that he takes the FA Cup so seriously and would want to be in a final like of course they love winning trophies like of course they want to do it um, so part of it is probably thinking I've got to trust these guys because I need to rest the other guys but these guys are good enough to do the job and maybe it was that calculated risk in the sense that like that Spurs Champions League game I keep going back to the first leg where he knew that it would be a tight game and they would hope to nick it. Maybe he was thinking that would be the, the approach again. I mean, look, maybe the bottom line is he was just wrong. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. fine to rotate the players, but I'm trying to think, like, can you can you play as, uh, can you rotate the team but without changing the whole shape and the setup? Uh, I don't know. Could you just rotate fewer players? That's, like, I mean, that, that, the, that's kind of what I wanted to see because, again, as I said at the start, we've there was far more leeway on Wednesday's game than there was on on, on Saturday's. If he if he yeah. loses against Villa, it's you know it's still not the end of the world. Now it feels like he has to go and win that game. I know. Well, like there was already a bit of a feeling about that after Leeds. Um, and the thing is, like, so you won't know, we we talked enough after that Leeds game. That there's no panic stations required after yeah. that. The lead is still comfortable enough. Um, but like, I, I feel like uh, I don't even want to go down this route of if, because I feel like as soon as there's a negative result in football, the narrative flips completely. Yeah, and, and it's like very easy to pile city. on the negativity. Like, I was yeah. driving. I was driving down yesterday, and in between phone calls, it went on to Talksport after West Ham had just lost, and the question was. If West Ham don't finish in the top six this season, would it be a massive failure? I was like, fucking hell. Like, <laughs> they've just lost a game. We're talking about them. They're still, they're still going for the top four. So we're saying, if the wheels come off completely and they don't finish in the top six, would it be, um, and the words, a massive failure? And it's like, so I don't want to do that with City. But I, I feel like just, just to say that, obviously, if the Villa result wasn't good, then they themselves in the camp would start feeling, bloody hell, there's a bit of pressure on now. Whereas after the Leeds game, I was like, well, look, it's not going to affect their morale because it's a different squad altogether. It yeah. was a bit of a mad game and it happens. But then if you lose that, okay, fine. But then you lose the Chelsea game as well. Oh, yeah, different team. It's starting to, you know, there, there will be tension in that squad to go and win the game against Villa. But, but, it's, but it's in the, the same way that there was against Dortmund. So I'm not overly worried about that. I'm just, but like, hypothetically, if they didn't beat Villa, then I know fans will be losing their shit left, right and centre. And maybe the players will be like, right, okay. We got to do something. Yeah, but this is the whole thing this. about this is the whole thing about rotation, and I just can't work out com what comes next. And going back to the not bringing the sub on at the end, like this was one of those where I was like, just why aren't you bringing anybody on? And like, why are you not taking Sterling off? Like, what? This isn't a pylon, but my God, like, why, why, why was he on? Like, just take it in isolation. Why was anybody playing that badly in that game? Like Mendy, Mendy was bad, and I'd have taken him off after like half an hour. But like he's not going to do that, obviously, and that changes the team shape, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Oh, you bring Ake on, it's different. Blah blah blah. Yeah. But like Sterling off, Mar is on. Immediate improvement. Immediate improvement. But obviously, this is this. The reason will be he wants to rest Mares, and he doesn't bring like like the Leeds game when people were saying he should have made more subs, but he just goes right. These guys are resting this weekend, and he didn't want to bring on Foden and Gundogan against Leeds City, but he kind of had to. 
because of how the game was going. And obviously, he probably wouldn't have wanted to do it again on on um, Saturday either. And he was probably thinking, well, these are the these are the fitter guys. So, and obviously, Gundogan in terms of how he controls the game and helps them keep the ball. And he was obviously thinking, well, this is what we're going to do. But he obviously he is resting Mares for. And now this is the big thing. What for? What's the bigger game? Villa? A cup final? And people are saying on the Q&A, well, the cup final doesn't matter too much. But like I was saying about the FA Cup, like they love winning trophies. Like they want to get to finals. They want to win finals. He's, I'm stopping myself because I'm thinking, well, he's not going to rest play. He's not going to play the same team again against Spurs. But he might because PSG is huge. Yeah. PSG is so huge. And like same, like exactly the same thing I was saying after Leeds. Like, of course it makes sense to go into the Dortmund game with your best players rested and ready to go. It just makes sense. Um, so, like, I I couldn't really blame him, maybe, if he did but if, rest if, players against Spurs. But then, yeah, let's go back to what you were saying about fewer changes. Yeah. And a team where maybe it's Foden, Jesus, and, well, if De Bruyne is injured now, it's probably, it's like, you know, it's going to have to be Bernardo in midfield. So then suddenly the false nine thing doesn't happen. So it's going to be Jesus maybe down the middle. But yeah, maybe you put in Foden as well instead of Sterling. But then like, Torres isn't. Torres is fine. I'm not slagging him off because it's his first season, and I'm expect I'm fully expecting him to be better next season. But like I said last week, he just doesn't get involved in the game at all. He doesn't do anything. And then he like he scores, and I was thinking, well, if he scores on on Saturday, then like, nobody will mind because it's one of those games. It, it quickly became apparent that it was one of those games where City just needed to get a goal and get out of there. Yeah. No matter. It, it did, it, they didn't need Torres to start putting in his best performance of the season. They just needed him to do nothing outside the box and score. But he didn't do that. But like, he, this is the problem now because surely Pep, for all him saying, oh, you're telling me they didn't deserve to play. He must now think, I can't play these guys again because they can't lose. They can't drop points against Villa, really, just for kind of morale. He won't want to lose a cup final. They, obviously, he's not going to play them against PSG anyway. But it just feels like if it almost feels like there's a strong argument to go full strength against Villa, full strength against Spurs, and then arrive against PSG in like full momentum. But like obviously that's not how it works this season. Because he did that, more or less, at, at the end of 2018-19. Very often the same team, wasn't it? And it was just yeah. like a train. Like win a game, win a game, win a game, grinding out results. And the only one he made changes for was that Spurs game. Yeah, because there was two opportunities for it. So it goes to show that like it's a calculated risk. And it's like, okay, well, what's the... Obviously, but there's no two opportunities in this. There is against PSG, but he's not going to risk losing 3-0 against PSG in the first leg. So that it's, it just goes down to that risk and that pragmatism. And I don't know, maybe if I am guessing now, maybe I'm thinking he goes, right, well, the Premier League, you know, can't afford to let that slip. So and just to get everything back on track, strong against Villa. The last, you know, because Mahrez didn't come on for 15 minutes, I'm thinking he's playing against Villa. So if he's playing against Villa, then so is Foden and so is Gundogan. And so Stones, and so whoever he Bernardo, thinks the best left yeah. back is, yeah, Bernardo, of course. Um, well, Bernardo's going to have to do now because De Bruyne is injured. Um, so that, and then maybe he does make a few changes against Spurs, or maybe a lot. Maybe he does make a lot, and maybe he goes, look, and it, it's it, this is the thing because Pep is the one who makes these decisions, and he has to sit in the media after, in the media press conference afterwards, and you know people say, "What the fuck are you doing?" And everyone online's going, "Pep." You are, what are you doing? You've lost the plot. But he's got to make these difficult decisions. And like maybe the thing is, with the calculated risk, I'm sure he wouldn't think this, but especially if Kane's injured, he could think, well, Spurs are crap. Like we, we can beat them with a, with a weakened team. And he might make that decision. But if it doesn't go well, and he plays these lads again who played on Saturday, because don't forget, all the others are going to play against PSG and they lose. He's going to get a load of shit for losing in a final. Um, but it's just, it's really difficult because what is the alternative? Yeah. Because he won't want to risk them being tied for PSG, and like this is this is it. So as much as the game was really bad, and you know me, like whenever I come on after games when City don't play well, like the Leeds game last week, I was like, yeah, it wasn't great, but uh, it doesn't matter. And like the United game, I was like, well, okay, it wasn't great, but at least they were, you know, I could see what what he was thinking. I was trying to explain the subs, and we didn't want to lose on the counter attack, and try and put forward arguments. And obviously that's what we've done now. But like it was an awful game. They were really bad. So I don't know even know who I'm blaming for that. Are probably just the players on the pitch. But then it's like, well, they didn't deserve to play Pep in your own words. Well, your own question. There's my answer. So it is difficult. It is, But I do sympathise with him in the sense that he's going to have to... He's going to have to do it again. 
in one of the next three games. And it's probably going to... I'm convincing myself as we're talking it's going to be the Spurs game. game. But the thing (laughs) is, look, it might go back to West Ham and and, um, Fulham and to a lesser extent uh, the Leicester game when he does make those changes and they win. And like he said, he said, what what happens if you win? And the the guy who asked the question said, then we all say you're a genius kind of thing. And I'm not even sure if that's what the the answer Pep was looking for, but um, I think it probably was. Yeah, it probably was. And that is going to be the case. If they beat Spurs with that rotated team, then City have got a cup. Everyone's happy. No one's talking about the rotated team. They look good for PSG again. And if they beat in Villa, then everyone forgets about it. Um, But I do appreciate that now. I, 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 I understand more that fans are a bit more worried about where it's going, but I'm still seeing stuff on the Q&A and on Twitter about the league. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. But knowing that they knowing that they need eleven points to secure the title, you look at, at, at that run in the in the right, league uh, of, of Leeds Villa. Crystal Palace, Newcastle, Brighton. Okay, there's a Chelsea game in there, but that that like a rotated side, a rotated side can surely yeah. get eleven points in those games. Yeah, like again, is like this is what we discussed last week. Do you really think City are going to drop that many points? And look, maybe people in the whole negativity cycle that they're in now, maybe people do think that, and and you know maybe people think in the negative sense of oh, United are going to win all their games. I don't want to say it's not going to happen because well, it's not going to happen. <laughs> it's not going to happen. Like, if it doesn't happen, then f- something's gone awful. And I, but I don't even know what that would be. Like, I don't even know. Like, there's there's no way, there's no way that anything that's happened to this point could make them lose those games. Because if it comes to it, then, like, if they don't beat Villa, then he's going to go, fuck's sake, we need to play everyone every game and we're just going to see strong team back-to-back in every game. The Brighton game, the Newcastle game, the Palace game, whatever. The PSG game. Every, it's just going to be the strong team and it's going to be the players he does, he thinks he can trust. So it's going to be bye-bye, Jesus and, and Sterling, if you're, not, if you're not doing it. Yeah. Maybe, he'll, maybe he'll phase them in, in the sense that, especially with De Bruyne being out, so Bernardo goes back into midfield and then they're going to need a striker. You know, he'll probably be able to phase people in um, and, and not make so many home, wholesale changes. But... It's just the the league. I'm not saying it's done, but it's definitely not wide open. You know, that's what I'm saying. I just want to touch on Sterling before we we move on, Sam, um, yeah. because he is he is so bang out of form that I've I don't think I've ever seen him struggling this much in Guardiola's reign at City. There was that that first season under Pellegrini when in the second half of the season it it, it felt like he needed. Uh, it felt like he needed a new manager in that sense, um, and I, I yeah. don't know. I, like, there comes a point. I mean, we talked about it earlier in the season when uh, it was the Southampton game, wasn't it? Where uh, it was reported that he'd gone to Guardiola and said, "Look, you're picking players on uh, reputation and not form," and, and then you're saying in, in press conferences you're picking on form. So, like, like I, ne- I need to be in this team, and if you're going to say that, you need to back it up with performances, don't you? Yes, um, and you know we talked about that that row before the the Southampton game, which was kind of a delicate one because obviously he denied it, and you know if Sterling denies something, then he's got so much weight in terms of his reputation and stuff. Then it's very difficult to go against that. But um, yeah, it's obvious. Like if, even if you just want to look at what Guardiola said publicly, then you can you know you can work it out from context or whatever. But we've we've covered that, and as far as I know that row is still kind of affecting him. I've I've written about Sterling this weekend. That was the plan anyway, even if they'd won, which I appreciate. I was trying to work it out. Like, if City gets to the FA Cup final, do we want to write about how bad Sterling's been? And I was like, well, it, it is something that fans have been talking about for so long now and kind of want to know why and what's going on and stuff. So, But it's I weird. Mean, I don't think, look, I don't think he's been... I, I don't think he's been bad for as long as people are saying he's been bad. No, for. people are saying he's been shit for two seasons. It's yeah, like, that's whoa, not whoa, true. Whoa, whoa. No, like, well, like last season. So last season he started it, um, like he kind of finished the twenty eighteen nineteen season, like he was flying. He got a load of goals, um, and then yeah, December dropped off a bit. Um, uh, January, February, March, it was 
he wasn't he was missing sitters, wasn't he? Like awful sitters. But I remember looking at his performances and also analysing his performances, and he was doing so much. Like, he was doing everything else spot on. Like you could tell he was just doing everything else spot on. Like in terms of his movement off the ball, his defensive work in particular, um, getting in the right positions. He was doing everything else. Um, but also, there wasn't anybody else to play on the left wing because Guardiola wasn't playing Foden so much then and Sane was injured. Yeah. So I mean, he didn't even, have competition either. Even now, it's only six weeks ago that he was that, that he played really well at Arsenal. It's only, you know, a little bit longer that he that you know he he, he played so well at Swansea in the cup. It's not it's not a long time ago you have to go to find a good Sterling performance. Yeah, and but like even so last season, like I could I could get it as well, because look, City weren't playing well at all. And this is why this is why we were talking at the start of this season about how you know, I was saying like Okay, they need players in the transfer market if we go back to the summer. But these players and that manager should be doing better already. You know, they shouldn't rely uh, rely on the transfer market. And this is when it was kind of you know Koulibaly and Messi kind of stuff. Um, I was like, they they've got much better, and we've seen that. You know, that was actually proven right because we've seen that they've gone from really struggling and the players looking crap and Guardiola looking like he needs a new challenge or a break or whatever to them looking amazing. So we know within the squad that they are great players. But if you go back to last season and the start of this season, the way the system was and just the way the mood was and everything, they weren't looking like that. And in that sense, you can't blame the players individually if they're not playing particularly well because it's just, they're not, they're not in the areas they like to be getting in. And that was the case for Sterling. Because obviously the, the David Silva trademark goal where they got to the byline and stuff, that had stopped happening. But partly because the def- the defenders on the other teams knew what they were going to do. So instead of stepping up when City played the ball square or backwards, and then City put the ball over the top of them, so the defence were running towards the halfway line and Sterling or whoever's running in behind, they stopped doing They stopped stepping up. Or they at least blocked the gaps for either the pass or the run. And then Sterling was obviously having to dribble past two or three men instead of just one. Like one-on-one dribbling, he, he can get past him. But what's the point if he's just backed up by somebody else? Which yeah. was always the case. So I always sympathised and I thought maybe it's just a confidence thing in the sense that, and this is the old inverted wingers thing, but he's always on the left. He's always having to cut inside. But he's cutting inside into like three blokes. The goal that they're scoring where they're cutting it back and he's either assisting or, you know, when he was playing on the right, he was getting the, the tap-ins because he was always making the right runs. That's not happening anymore. So maybe his confidence is gone and that had worn down a bit. But then he came back after lockdown and he still had that problem where um, he was missing obvious chances, but he was still scoring loads. And after lockdown, he got loads of goals. And like, I think like the Brighton game sums him up quite well. I, I, I can't remember if it was him exactly or Jesus. Maybe I'm thinking it sums up City quite well. But that was when he got a hat-trick away. But the last one was when he was throwing goal and he kind of messed it up and it bounced up in the air and hit him on the head and went in. <laughs> and it's just like, that is such a sterling goal. Like, in the sense that, just a sterling performance. I seem to remember he missed other good chances, but still got a hat-trick. And you think, well, fair enough. But like, this, and this season... Yeah, like you say, it's not that long ago that he was playing well enough. And like early in the season, again, I can't really blame him because everyone was playing bad. And like everyone remembers, like most people wanted like Gundogan sold or so they didn't see the point in him. And I was just like, well, he's being asked to do this particular job and this is what he does for the team. But now he's put in a different role. Everyone can see like how good he, he obviously is. It's just more obvious to see that. So we just know that subtle tweaks here and there can make players... Well, can put players back change the game again. entirely yeah so I, so I don't hold I don't hold the early part of the season against Sterling but obviously the issue is once everything kind of turns again and goes well again he's he's not he didn't pick it up like like a bit like Torres Torres was standing out at the start of the season because he was scoring goals and he looked quite bright but he was looking quite bright in a he must be saying that in a average for city standards so relatively average team obviously they're very good but still average for city standards compared to now but like Torres was standing out and, but since they picked it up he's not been able to contribute and it's similar with with Sterling but he has had good games but no obviously we've talked for a long time about how he's not been crap for two years like he hasn't been bad for two years um, but I, 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 I know that he, he hasn't been as good as the 2018-19 season and that is two seasons um, and the issue so I've, like I said I've written about him and I wrote about him after the final whistle um, and I, as I so it was a bit rushed but I'm hoping it gets the points across but the other thing is not just that David Silver trademark goal isn't happening anymore but De Bruyne is not putting in those crosses from the right hand side anymore 
And I'm not saying that's not a criticism of De Bruyne because he often plays on the left now. And that, that's been obvious for a while. Um, and I think, Mark, well, Michael Cox wrote about it after the Dortmund game in terms of how he pops up in different areas now. But those crosses from the right, which I which I said in that, you know, what's the most City Guardiola goal? I was like, it's got to be a De Bruyne cross for Sterling to score at the back post. But that's not even happening anymore. So Sterling's kind of, he's not got that regular supply line. And like, this might be something that, you know, you just say when a player's in bad form and he looks stupid when they're playing well again. But he's not a good finisher is he he's not a good one-on-one finisher and I was speaking to a former player like an amazing former player last week and we were talking about Sterling and he said straight away he goes well, he's not a good finisher is he and I was like well that that makes easier for me to to believe and say that if you're saying it do you know what I mean like yeah. if somebody who knows how to score goals at the top level is saying well he's never been a top scorer and I remember Again, we always go back to this podcast, but when we did the Blue Moon podcast outside the Etihad after that Liverpool game in 2019, um, and obviously it was like it was very celebratory and City had won and it was such a huge game. And obviously everyone remembers the tension that, that night and just how, how good it was. Like, I think Sterling missed a one-on-one. And that, he, obviously he was having a great season then. And I think I remember saying, I was like, look, I don't want to be like negative on a night like this, but one is Sterling ever going to score against Liverpool? And like, is he ever going to be a good one-on-one finisher and it's like it's a bit like City not coming from behind when they're a goal down like they obviously did it in the week and there are examples when they do it and there are examples when Sterling goes through on goal and he just passes it into the corner and he looks great but it's not the most common occurrence is yeah. it like the, he's way, not, the weight he, of evidence is not on that on what it's yeah, on one I mean, side talk, not I'm, the other I'm yeah. talking a lot because I feel like I need to justify this position but I think, to be fair, I think most people listening are probably going to agree with that, I reckon. But the thing is, I said the other week in passing, didn't I? Sterling is going to be great again. I think Sterling will be fantastic again for City. But like, but now, like, not even just out of form, but like yesterday, awful. Like, awful. And, and, and I think it's easy to say that because you know, I, I don't say, oh, Torres was awful because it's like, well, the first season, but yeah, you can understand it. But because of how good Sterling is to that, it's just like, come on, like you can do better. It's what I was saying about the whole team last summer. Like you can, you can do much better than this. And yeah, the interesting thing is, like it's all hypothetical, but obviously it's nearly time for a contract extension because he's only got two years left. Um, and our city thinking, we need, you know, we need to tie this guy down. I mean, probably, probably. But in in terms of, are we think if we're thinking about scenarios, a city thinking they need to tie Sterling down, probably. Um, but maybe they're thinking, God, what's going on? And, may, and maybe, you know, if Sterling's thinking about his future because of this row and lingering on, because like what what I, what I have been told reliably is, you know, obviously the row happened and that it's still kind of lingering on and affecting him. And I'm not discounting the possibility that he just puts it behind him in the same kind of way that I think Laporte has. I think, you know, in terms of Laporte is now back in the team and it's not a problem. He's back in form and it's okay. Um, but we'll have to. I'll have to check to see if, it, if that's that is okay. But Sterling could do that. You know, he could come back in plenty of time to sort it out. But it's like if he is considering his future, then maybe he doesn't want to sign the new contract now, which puts pressure on City. But if Sterling does want to leave, like just hypothetically, if he does want to leave this summer, who's buying him? Um, and like you could see, the, you could see like the fantasy football football manager operations where you think swapping for Harry Kane. But like, could that really happen? Like, I don't know. Um, and the, but if he does want a transfer as well, he hasn't got an agent. How do you get a, how do you get a transfer without an agent? But the, yeah. and if he doesn't go this summer because he, he say he does want to leave, but he can't go because if he did go to City, and again this is hypothetical, but this is how City work. If 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 he did go, City would just say fine, bring an offer worth this much. But again, without an agent, that's very difficult. And if if he doesn't because of the financial climate, then City are in that position then where they've got a Sane situation, where he'll only have one year left at the end of. And obviously, like I'm not trying to blow this up because even if he did go into next season having not signed a new contract, which was the case with Sane, he may then have time where he's in the team, he's scoring goals again, and he just signs a contract in October. Yeah, which you know, because last time he signed a contract, it dragged on a bit, didn't it? It was getting to the stage; it hasn't dragged on as long as long as it has now, where you know he's got two years left. But it was getting to the stage where they need to sort this out, otherwise he's going to be a Sane, and they did sort it out. So I wouldn't rule out him signing a contract in like October or something like that. But it is an interesting one, just from all kinds of points of view. Just because he's not playing well, does City want him to stay? I think yeah, probably. Does he want to stay? I think he probably will. Um, 
but it's just those alternatives. It's just if, like if, if this changes and this changes, it's like how is how is that going to work? Because there's 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 no surely any club to come in and and pay the kind of money that City would want. I don't think. Yeah. And like his old agent always had Real Madrid on the go, and that's just like well known. And it was something that was told to me again on on Saturday. But like obviously he's not on the scene anymore. Yeah, um, I always I always I feel suppose, like Real Madrid's very easy as well. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, well, I mean, Real Madrid's always like the one. And also, like, I'm sure people would be listening to this who are very against Sterling's form at the moment anyway. And they might be saying, well, why would Real Madrid want him? Which is, is another like, fair point. And also, look, they're being linked with like Mbappe and Haaland. So, you know, it's not... Last time Real Madrid was being talked about, and again, it seems easy, but like his agent was always kind of trying to do that work just to like make sure it's an option that's there, which I think is fair enough. Um. But that was at the start of the 28th. No, it was the start of last season when he'd carried on his good form from the season before. And that, that was when he was, you know, being compared to, you know, the best players in Europe and he was being talked about as one of the best players in Europe. And like, for that reason, I, I think he can get back to that level. So I've, I've no, no issue with that. But it's, it's, just, it's just interesting. Like, I don't yeah. know if this is a media thing or just the way I look at things, but it's, in, it's interesting. Like, if he had three years left on his contract, it wouldn't be the same situation. But just because it's two... And just because there's, you know, because he hasn't got an agent, it's just like it's just a weird little situation which complicates things a bit more than they need to be complicated. Yeah, little um, quirk. And obviously the row as well. Like it's not just because he's, it's not just because he's playing badly. And obviously they had he had to be playing badly for the row to happen because you don't get dropped if if you if you're playing well. Yeah, if you're playing well. Unless and you're and, and, <laughs> and yeah, and, and again, um, you might not believe. You might want to believe Sterling or, or or Pep that there was no row. But like if he's being left out of a game against Fulham. And Guardiola saying Eric Garcia deserves to be here as well, and that's Raheem Sterling, who, like, who was the one who, when do you remember, obviously last year when he was in that port form in winter, everyone was saying drop him, and Guardiola kept playing him, so like he was always Guardiola's go-to man for so long. So if he goes from that to not being in the squad at all, then you know something's happened performance-wise, and you know something's happened then like attitude-wise. Um, but like with Laporte, he's getting the opportunity to get back into the the team and kind of show what he's doing, but. Three started nine, I think, and two of them were the FA Cup, and one of them was the Leeds game. So he's obviously not in the main eleven. Um, and yeah, now it just got to that stage where Guardiola's thinking, "Well, I need to make changes." But I don't know. Like as much as he trusts those players, he must be looking around. He must be looking around that dressing room, thinking, "Lads, come on! Yeah, like, you give me nothing here." Well, I know, Sam, this is uh, incredibly dangerous territory to stray into to end the show, uh, especially given what fixtures are coming up at the weekend and, and a bit beyond. Uh, but I'm going to tempt fight and do it. I don't believe in any of that sort of stuff anyway. So if City lose to Spurs, it's not because I've said this on a podcast. That's, the, oh, that's, yeah. that, that's your disclaimer first. Correct. Um, uh, there's far to it than that. So, uh, far more to it than that. So, so here goes. Guardiola in finals. Usually pretty good. Four wins in four with City so far. Six from six if we include the Community Shield. Um, not sure we do. But semi-finals, the story is it's a little bit different. And I, I wouldn't have believed this until I went looking for it last night. And kind of how how the Chelsea game had got me feeling about previous semi-finals that City had played in. So I had a look at all the all the semi-finals that, that Guardiola has managed at City. Uh, we start off in his first season against Arsenal, the FA Cup semi-final. They lost 2-1 in extra time. That, unfortunate, I thought. They played pretty well in the first kind of hour or so. In the end, it just turned out Arsenal had too much for them. They got the equaliser at the, towards the end of the game, and as soon as Arsenal equalised, City looks like they had nothing left in the tank. Fine, Guardiola's first season, still learning new things. No problem. We go to the Centurions season, and we get to Bristol City in the League Cup, and immediately I thought, well, that, they progressed with that pretty comfortably. And then you look back at it, they got a last-minute winner in the first leg, Um after having fallen behind. The second leg, they threw away a two-goal lead and had a very nervy finish towards the end until they went went down the other end and, and scored on the break. Um, the 18-19 season, where they won the domestic treble, you've got Burton Albion in the in the League Cup. Okay, fair enough. They progressed with that pretty comprehensively. Well done. Um, Brighton in the FA Cup was another really, really nervy and difficult game. Um, Walker could have been sent off when, with the VAR review. They got the Jesus goal really early on, but then th- th- then it was a really tight game after that, uh, 1-1-0. 19-20, um, United in the League Cup semi-final. 3-0 at half-time at Old Trafford. How are they hanging on against a team that has 
had a man sent off and you know in the away leg at the end they were they, they lost that away leg they lost that uh, home leg 1-0 United were down to 10 men and City would ju- there was a point where De Bruyne was absolutely slamming Otamendi because he'd given United the opportunity to equalise from a free kick right near the end um, Arsenal in that season in the FA Cup semi-final again at Wembley lost 2-0 really really bad performance earlier this season United League Cup semi-final one leg go to Old Trafford get the job done 2-0 fine no problem um, and then obviously the Chelsea game on uh, on Saturday so I make it two comfortable ties out of eight mm. and that's Burton and United this season so even if even if City have progressed in five off the eight the semi-finals seem to be a really really problematic Perform- certainly performance-wise, situation for Guardiola? Uh, I mean, I hadn't I hadn't thought about all the, the semi-finals, but I was thinking, like, it it strikes me as mad that they've lost three FA Cup semi-finals. Um, and, it, like, because I was, I was even thinking before the game, I was like, it's weird that they've lost two. But then, like, it was in the first season, like you say, everything was kind of coming together. It was one of those games. Last season, you know, last season was last season. Those games yeah, happened Things a lot. happened, yeah. And... Yeah, so uh, so it was already weird, but then yesterday, uh, look, we've already talked about that at length. Um, but I suppose you put it down to the context of the situation. Um, but then if we're looking at them a bit wider, um, yeah, the Bristol one was kind of difficult. But um, like, I, I, like, I don't know. Like, I don't know if you can group them all. I don't know. Like, I, I genuinely don't know if you can group all semi-finals together and say it's a problem or not. Um, again, like the Brighton one. The Brighton one would have been in that time of the season when they were going for the league and they had to go for everything. And it would have been... Was that before the first Spurs game? I think it would have been. It would have been around that time. I might be wrong. It might not have been exactly before. But I think it was close. I think they played Brighton on the Saturday in the FA Cup and I think they might have had Spurs in the midweek after. And then it was the Palace game and then it was Spurs again. So that was, you know, if it was tight, then it was kind of because a lot of games were... They were kind of grinding out wins. Like, you know, I think I might have mentioned it earlier, but when they went to Burnley, and, you know, Aguero squeezed that one over the line and then they put on like four centre backs for the last five minutes. It was like grinding the, the, those the sorts game of out. games. Yeah. So, yeah, so there's that. Um, I mean, the United game, again, last season, the, we- the weird thing for me is not semi final, but United. Like, why why have City got such a poor record against Solskjaer's United? Like, I don't physically get it. Like, obviously, I do. Like, they they sit back and defend quite well and, and counter attack and you know City's problems are not taking chances not looking great. No, this is, sounds like a very negative thing, but I've said this loads of times. City normally win the vast majority of games they win. When they don't, these are the problems, and the problems are missing their chances, not coming from behind, um, and conceding goals on counter attacks. Like those those are the the most common ones, but they don't happen commonly. But when they do, it generally tends to be that, and that's generally how United win. Um, so I think that's more of a problem against that kind of team than a semi-final thing. I don't know. I just, I just instinctively, maybe I'm just doing what Guardiola does and just arguing against things for the sake of it. I, but I, I can't think there's a semi-final issue. Like the players can't have been nervous for a game against Bristol at home. You know what I mean? Like a game at Wembley or Old Trafford. Yeah, but like Bristol at home. Like, yeah, they weren't great. And I remember there was a late winner against Bristol. And the away, the away game was odd as well. But um. I can't imagine they were nervous before that. Like as much as it's a semi-final, it's like, well, this is a, this is a game we're going to win here. They must have been thinking that. Well, I, I would normally agree with you and 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 kind of look at those games in context. And it was only when I it was it was basically only when I went went to look back at, at, at the FA Cup semi-final record, like you, and I thought, oh, it's a bit odd that they like you know in in, in three of the four that Guardiola yeah, was reached, mad. they've been it's knocked mad. out. And then you look at the context around it, and yeah, I, I I totally get that. And all basically all that worried me is. You look at where they are now in the Champions League. They've obviously got PSG. Yeah. It's the semi-final, but it's the context that goes around that as well that we've been talking about: the Villa game, the um, the, the the Spurs final, and then what is it? Palace in the midweek again of that. So it's, I, I'm just worried again. Is it is it not necessarily a semi-final thing, but the context of the season at the point at which you reach the semi-finals of competitions? Well, yeah, it's just difficult. It's just difficult. Um, but that's why. Uh, yeah, because I mean, look, it's one semi-final's just gone, hasn't it? In the quest to make sure everyone's fit and ready, um, but that's—I think—that's why he's doing it. That's why he's trying to make sure everyone's ready. And obviously, the biggest semi-final is the Champions League one. Um, but look, I don't know. I, obviously, there is a pattern. There is a pattern of you know 
not being great in semi-finals, I suppose you could say, even you know, if we're going to include even the ones they've won. I was going to say the data know, set I, isn't huge either, but it's it's bigger than you'd get for most managers. Yeah, it is. Well, there's, yeah, there's certainly more semi-finals than you'd <laughs> imagine. Um, but the thing is, if they weren't to beat PSG, I don't think that's because it's a semi-final. It's like, because it's PSG to, and they're really good. It, yeah, exactly. Like if they were to have gone out against PSG in the quarterfinals, then people would say, oh, they can't get past the quarterfinal. It's, it's like a mental block or whatever. But it's like, well, PSG are good. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know. Like, it's an interesting one. And like I say, it's it's interesting certainly to mention. I just can't believe they lost the FA Cup semifinals. Like, because we talk about them being like a trophy winning machine. And you just think, like, when you think of the, the cups they haven't won, like, you go, okay, well, last season, it was last season, but they still won the Carabao. And like, oh, yeah, well, they lost to Wigan in the century, in the Centurion season, but that was a mad game and it happens. Um, and you just think, yeah, well, they, but they won all the other trophies. But then, for then, yeah, just suddenly for them to have lost three semifinals in the FA Cup, it's just very weird because it just feels like they win more than that. But obviously, it's like, I've no point to it other than it's just odd. Like, you would imagine they would win more. Um, but I don't know, like, because I, I kind of think we're approaching like mental block territory to suggest that there's problems in semi-finals. Um, I think it's just the teams they played. Like United have been difficult for City last couple of years, which I, which shouldn't be the case. City much better, but it is. Uh, Bristol is. Yeah, Bristol was. They should beat them. And Brighton was, you know, in that big run of games when everything. Like, and I'm I'm wondering as well in the whole context of rotation and in 2018, 19, because it wasn't as kind of stark as it is now. He was obviously making, I think he was making fewer changes, but the games were tighter. And maybe he thought then the mad thing is they won all those important games and the Spurs game went either way. But all those games they needed to win, they did win. And I'm just wondering what's made him change his approach this season. But it must just be because of COVID. There's no time to recover. They've yeah. had way more games. And like I keep saying, there's like a physical. Like he, he keeps saying, obviously, there's a physical limit. But he said a few times, he was like, mentally, they just, they, these guys just can't play a game every three days for four months. It just can't be done. So again, to go back to the first thing, I have to take his word for his, his handling of the situation. He knows better. Like literally, he knows better than we do what the players can and can't do. I mean, maybe we could have ended the podcast after five minutes and just said that. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I don't want I don't want people listening to this thinking it's a it's a big sea of negativity because I don't think it is. Like I don't like we're talking about losing all these semifinals and stuff and Sterling being crap and whatever. But like, I don't I don't think this is necessarily going to be a problem against Villa, and I you know, the the PSG games are still very well set up because they're not going to play PSG with these players. Yeah. And it's the same thing I was saying about the Leeds game. But what I will say is it was just awful against Chelsea, wasn't it? Like it, I don't I don't normally make such like sweeping statements as that, but it wasn't it wasn't good and I know why people are upset. And I can understand more than I did a week ago why people are a bit more concerned about the league and whatever. But ultimately I think it'll be fine. Right, so that brings us to an end for this week's Wire Whistles. Uh, thanks as ever to Sam Lee. Uh, Sam, it's been cathartic for me. I don't know about you. Uh, I'm now more worried that I've made, I'm going to make oh, people... <laughs> I, no, normally I feel like I reassure people after a defeat, but I feel, even though I, I feel like they're fine and you know, they'll beat Villa and be okay and the PSG game is to be looked forward to, I worry that I have not conveyed that well enough over the course of the last six hours that we've been doing this podcast. Excellent, excellent stuff. <laughs> It'll be fun. We'll see you next week and they'll have another cup in the bag. Yeah, you can sign up to The Athletic right now for three ninety nine a month for six months. Just use the code MANCITYPOD. The Athletic.